0: Of you that haven't met me, my name is Nick, and together with Chris, we are the senior pastors here at Asher Vineyard. Um, and today, you've come on a good day. Every day is a good day to come, but a good day because we're starting a new series, and you're going to be here right at the beginning. And this series um, comes after we've been spending a little bit of time talking about our aims, which um, we've really condensed all the things we're going after at Asher Vineyard into six aims, and you'll find those on a green card out there. You can stick it on your pinboard. Um, there's loads of them around. And we're not moving on because the aims are done. This is really important to say. Just because we've expressed the aims doesn't mean we're now moving on to something else. We recognise that if we want to fulfil those aims, if we want them to be more than a sheet on someone's pinboard, we want to see them actually at work across Ashford, then the best way to do that is for us to start doing the things we were born for. For us to engage with God in a way that our relationship is so close and intimate with him that he flows out of us and we just see those aims being fulfilled everywhere we go. So that's why we've decided to spend a number of weeks actually talking about how do we do this? How do we follow the example of the disciples in the Bible or the apprentices of Jesus? And the series is called, and it's going to come up, here we go, Be, Become, do. And we are talking in overarching in three kind of phrases. And then we're going to dig deeper into those over the coming weeks. And so those phrases are, be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. If we can nail it down to that simple, to be able to say, if we can learn as a community of people, how to be with Jesus, how to become like Jesus and how to do what Jesus did, I have absolutely no shadow of a doubt that Ashford would be transformed and we would be transformed as individuals as well. So that's what we're going to spend our time looking at. Now, just a little note here is to say that we are using the structure and resources from another church um, and a guy called John Mark Comer. Now, I first kind of encountered this person from a podcast that Josh mentioned last week in his talk called This Cultural Moment. It is an outstanding podcast. Um, And so I first listened to him there and then we went to Wildfires last summer and he was one of the speakers there. He was brilliant. And then he's just been a speaker at the National Leaders Conference back in January. And when you hear something that resonates, and he's been rolling this out in his church for three years now, When you hear something that's just really good and someone is an excellent wordsmith and a great teacher and has a great structure around things, then rather than reinvent the wheel, there's an element of thinking, well, why don't we also benefit from his wisdom on this subject? And put our own um, kind of spin on the way about things that make sense to us in this culture in Ashford rather than America. So um, if you ever listen to his talks or read his stuff, you will hear familiar things that I'm saying. So this is not plagiarism. I'm outwardly telling you that we are using some of the resources and structure that he has put in place. So today we are focusing on the first one of these, which is be with Jesus. Now, I am... This is unsurprising to any of you who've spent more than five minutes with me. I am a raging extrovert. I talk a lot and I am also an activist. I find sitting still very, very difficult. I like to do things like I'm a doer. So when I see a title of a talk like this, it makes me go a bit weird because I often think of it as, oh, this is the talk where the people who are really holy get up and say about how they spend hours just soaking in God's presence in silence and solitude, and that that's what they do. Every day they get up at four and they just spend time just with him, praying with him. And and actually, I often discount myself from being able to be good at being with Jesus because I'm an activist. But what I'm discovering is that one of the best ways for me to be with Jesus is while I'm doing things, and that He doesn't reserve him, his, his self for me, if you like, for just when I'm sat still. And the way that um, that John Mark Comer puts it is, He phrases it like this: which is the key to remaining and being with Jesus is the ability to be in two places at once. And we're going to talk about what that looks like today. So if you've got your Bibles with you, jump to John. The Book of John is a book written about Jesus' life when he was on earth. And I'm going to just jump around a little bit. I'm starting in John 1, and then I'm going to jump on to John 14, and then there's some John 15 that's coming up. But we're going to start by thinking about the why. Like, why should we be with Jesus? Like, why? Why should we do that? Well, one of the first indicators of this is shown in the book of John, starting at verse 35. You've got a situation here where there's John the Baptist and he's got a couple of his own apprentices, his own followers. And then Jesus rocks up and then John's followers see Jesus and say, oh, actually, John, we're off with him now which I always think is a little bit offensive. Like you spent your time really investing and pouring your life into people and they're following you. And then Jesus walks in and they're like, yeah, yeah, see you later. I'm with this guy. And they basically say, we want to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says this to them, come and you will see. What he is saying here is if you want to learn how to do the things I do and become like me, the best way to do it is to come and be with me. Come and you will see what that looks like. And then you might be sat here thinking, well, that's, a, that's easier for them because Jesus was physically there. So to become and learn from Jesus, if he was in the room and you could just follow him and go where he went and watch him and learn from him, surely that's easier. But then we see the key really into what we can do as people who don't have Jesus physically here. What does that mean for us? And the key there is when you skip on in John to John 14, starting at verse 15, it says this, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So what Jesus is saying here is that I'm going, I'm going to be with the father, but actually you can still be with me because the father's gonna send another advocate and that is the Holy Spirit. And if you've said your yes to Jesus, then you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And even if you haven't said yes to Jesus, you have access to the Holy Spirit. I see people who don't know Jesus regularly, accidentally tuning into the Holy Spirit, if you like, if you want to put it that way. We have a way to be with Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit. And so really what I'm talking about this morning is being with Jesus is about us connecting with the Holy Spirit throughout our day, throughout our daily routines. In every situation, it's a constant connection with him. And that constant connection is described just a little bit further on in John 15, which is going to come up on the screen. Jesus is saying, "'Remain in me as I also remain in you. "'No branch can bear fruit by itself. "'It must remain in the vine. "'Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. "'I am the vine, you are the branches. "'If you remain in me and I in you, "'you will bear much fruit. "'Apart from me, you can do nothing.'" Another one of those brilliant biblical understatements. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples or my followers. Now, Jesus is using this metaphor of a fruit tree here. He is using this metaphor of the fact that a vine doesn't have to try hard or employ a strategy to produce fruit. The one thing it needs to do is stay connected. That's all it needs to do. In order for a fruit tree to be fruitful, it just needs to stay connected. It needs to stay connected to the source. We've got a pear tree in our garden and it doesn't have to do anything but just stay a pear tree in order to remain fruitful. Chris and I don't actually really tend to it very much. Once a year, Chris gets out the big, what are they called? Loppers. And lops. even a verb (laughs) he does a thing with some loppers and he cuts all the branches back and then sure enough the spring comes and pears come but I've never once walked past the pear tree and heard it doing this like I'm trying to make pears it just doesn't work like that and yet somehow as people trying to follow Jesus we have created this culture where being with Jesus has become about trying harder I am done with trying harder. I want to be fruitful because I remain connected, not because of my performance and what I am doing in life. I want my performance, if if there is ever a way to perform or act, I want it to be rooted in being connected to the source. That I am connected and therefore I am fruitful. And Jesus in this passage Wow, he sends the message home. I mean, remain, 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 remain. He is driving a message of root yourself, ground yourself, center yourself in God's presence all day long. Now, the way to do this isn't necessarily by running off to be in a monastery. I think we have this image of being with Jesus as being this kind of monk-like, quiet still. And it's a both and. It can be that. And it's not just running away from community, not ever speaking to someone and just being with Jesus. In fact, if we want to look at a template for what that looks like, Jesus's life showed us that he did loads of time in community. He spent lots of time with people eating and drinking. He spent time teaching. He spent time alone. And that's really what we need to look at is a template of doing life the way Jesus did it. And just as we go back to that quote from John Mark about the key to remaining is being in two places at once, that means it's possible to be reading your emails and be in his presence. It's possible to be bathing your kids and be in his presence. It's possible to be watching TV and be in his presence. For me, yesterday, I spent nine and a half hours at a dance competition. That was quite a hard context to be in his presence. But you know, there were moments, there were little moments where I was able to see what God was doing, even though it was absolute chaos and there were people everywhere dancing and singing. Someone who was like a pro on this is Brother Lawrence. Now, some of you may have heard of this guy. He was a 15th century Parisian monk, and he devoted his whole life to this one goal of practising the presence of God. And he was a dishwasher in the monastery. That was his job. And this quote from him is just wonderful. It says, the time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. Oh, do you not hunger for that? Like I long for that. I long to be surrounded by an environmental chaos and yet feel the tranquility and presence of God as though I were on my knees in prayer. What a beautiful thing. And for activists like me, this is good news because it means that I can have those moments and experience those moments even while I am doing. And there's something so important here, which is that he calls it practicing the presence. This isn't about trying harder. We have to practice this stuff. And it's actually a lifetime of practice to know how to be in two places at once. The way I've summed up practicing would be this. It's constantly directing and redirecting our minds to the things of God in a world full of distraction. Constantly directing and redirecting our minds to the things of God in a world full of distraction And wow, we live in a world of distraction. So digitally, if you only look digitally, we live in such a distracting world. And yet there's something about directing and redirecting our thoughts, our hearts, our minds to being with Jesus as much as we can. So how do we do it? Well, John Mark Comer says this, to experience the life of Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. That's by putting habits in our lives that constantly redirect and direct us to him. So practices that Jesus modelled were things like fasting, prayer, silence and solitude, reading the Bible, doing life in community, taking risks in the supernatural, forgiveness. We're going to go through and talk one by one about many of those things as we go. But as far as I can see from anything I've ever read and the leaders that, and the people who I've met who I see living like this is that these things are just non-negotiables. There don't seem to be any shortcuts to being able to learn how to do this practicing to be in two places at once. It doesn't seem to come just by intent. There's something about practicing which is so important. And even though we're going to go through these one by one, I will just say one thing. The things we will talk about are all a means to an end. They're not an end in themselves. So as a Taipei a personality who likes to tick things off a list, reading your Bible is not for the sake of reading your Bible. It's not even for the sake of knowing your Bible. Reading your Bible is for the sake of you being shaped into being more like Jesus and to have the words transform who you are and how you live that's the end goal. For me, it's not good enough to just say, well, the other day I was on my own for five minutes and I was silent for two of them. So I'm going to tick silence and solitude off the list. It's like pointless, totally pointless. If I haven't connected with God in those moments of silence and solitude, then I might as well have been talking and with lots of people. So it's not about a tick list, it's about being changed. And I've been thinking a lot about this this week, about this thing that John Mark has said that he's worded it so well about adopting the lifestyle. And if we want the rewards of a certain life, we have got to engage with the lifestyle that comes along the way. So, my Enneagram, if you've ever done personality profiling and stuff, my Enneagram is a Type 3, and that means I'm a performer-achiever. So, that tells you a lot about me, which is, I like to get stuff done. Like, I like achieving things, I like to be able to tick things off, I like having a goal, and it makes me feel good. But actually, the thing I struggle with is the journey to the goal, because I'm I'm like a finisher, I like to finish. And um, something I have often had in my mind is that I have this like bucket list idea that I would love to have run a marathon. Now, there's careful wording there, which is, I would have loved to have run a marathon, but I don't actually want to run the marathon. So what I actually want is to have a photo of me crossing the finish line of the marathon with everyone cheering that I can show to my children and my grandchildren and be like, this was the day I ran the marathon. And then I can show them the medal, and then I'll feel so great about myself. But do you know what? I have absolutely no desire to go running. I hate running. The thought of getting up early in the morning and running in the rain, for those of you that do it, you're mad. Like, I see you run, I I see you, and I think, why aren't you in bed? Or it's cold, or it's raining, what are you doing? But you all love it, I don't love it, but I have to therefore acknowledge, if I am not willing to engage in the lifestyle, I am not going to be able to live the life of a marathon runner. Somehow we have to engage with the process and for those of you who are really big on running please don't come and talk to me afterwards and try and convince me about how I could start because I really don't care because I don't like running. But the reason I say this is we have to start small and every marathon runner started by walking. Every marathon runner started by running a really, really tiny amount. They didn't start by waking up saying, I will run a marathon and then run a marathon the next day. And yet somehow we know this to be true. And yet in a church context and in a following Jesus culture, we seem to think that we can have the intent of from now on, I'm just going to be connected to Jesus all day long. And we think it's just going to happen. And then we go from not reading our Bible at all to saying, right, I'm going to read it for an hour a day. And then we fail. And then we feel terrible about it because we've jumped from waking up to running a marathon and we haven't practised. We haven't learned how to do this stuff. It has to be practised, not just intent. And for me, I am learning this. And do you know what? I am loving what I'm learning. I've always written off the whole being with Jesus thing about the thing that he designed introverts for. And then like figures that he must just have another way for people like me. But you know what? I am loving learning about how to be with Jesus because I'm doing it in small ways. And my advice this morning would be what I'm learning is to start small, to create habits, not rules, that you will beat yourself up against if you don't meet them create small habits and keep going with those small things. And for me at the moment, it looks like lots of small things because my attention span for long things isn't great. So I do lots of little things. And so for me, I'm doing a little devotional at the moment. I'm doing a negativity fast for Lent, um, which has become much source of amusement at home because anytime I'm moaning or being negative, Chris says, "Um, I thought you were fasting negativity. And I'm like, so annoying, Um, so I'm doing that, and that takes like five minutes, that's all it takes, five minutes, also as a family, we create a space where we eat breakfast together at the beginning of the day, we pause the chaos, and we sit and eat breakfast together, and it doesn't take very long, but during that time, we've got like a Bible devotional we do with the kids, it's based for kids, and we read a few verses of the Bible, and we read a little devotional, and then we go about our day, But it's one of those pausing moments that just helps us be with Jesus in that moment as we start the day. I've got slots booked in the diary during the week, which are effectively called Be With Jesus Slots. But for me, I haven't planned what to do in them because I know that if I plan, I'm going to do 20 minutes of this and 20 minutes of that. Then when I don't feel like it or if it doesn't really work, then that makes me less likely to do it again. So I just have unplanned slots. And sometimes that looks like sitting, Sometimes, rarely, but sometimes. Sometimes it looks like writing or listening to worship or listening to a podcast. And, and I'm loving the freedom of that. And do you know what? I'm loving being with Jesus. I'm discovering a love for it. And this has been over a long period of time, but I'm starting to see some of the fruit of that. So what can we expect if we start learning how to be with Jesus? We start putting in some little habits. What can we expect as the fruit? Well, Galatians 5 sums this up brilliantly. It's going to come up on the screen, starting at verse 16. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. With the Spirit. And I've heard the fruits of the Spirit talked about loads in churches. I've grown up in church. I've heard a lot of these talks. And one of the things I think I've got some wrong thinking along the way are that the fruits of the Spirit are actually like a checklist of how well you're doing as a Christian. So it's like a try hard list. So what we need to do is if we're following Jesus, then we should be. We need to try and be loving, joyful, peaceful, kind, all of these things. Like It's almost like we can pick one each week and say, this week, I'm going to be more patient. But the thing is, if you actually read that passage, not one of them is a command. Not one. Not one of them is a command of you should do this or you need to do this. All of them are the totally natural, predictable outcomes of being connected to the Holy Spirit. They are fruit, not effort. They are fruit. So our job, be connected. As we are connected, what should we expect to see? Well, we should expect to see more joy, more peace, more patience, more self-control. Because that's the fruit. If you plant a pear tree, you should expect to see pears. It's the thing you should expect to see as you connect. And one of the things I find most compelling about this is it really does speak into the issue around willpower and trying hard. If you struggle with any of the things from like verse 19, if you struggle with sexual immorality, immorality, impurity, if you struggle with feeling hatred or jealousy, or you've got loads of ambition or drunkenness, if you struggle with those things... You talk to anybody who struggled with addiction and they will tell you that trying harder is not the answer. Trying and having the intent is not the answer. Connecting with Jesus is the answer. Because actually, as we connect with him, we will have less desire for those things. When your desire is all being poured into him, it's almost like, and I can't think of better words, so forgive me, It's almost like those desires start to cancel out the desires over here. Pour your heart into something that feeds you, and I think you will have less desire for the thing that doesn't. But trying harder just isn't going to cut it. And for me, I'm on a campaign to be in this kind of a lifestyle. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. That's what I want to centre my life around. And I want to do it by remaining and being with him. And for me, that means being with him wherever I go. And I'm going to finish with a very quick story, which was on Friday night. There was an amazing music gig that happened here. Jazz Ellington, who um, is part of our family here, uh, some of you may know that name. He was on The Voice. He was on Will I Am's team. Incredible singer. Um, and he did a music gig here. And there was someone that was part of um, the act that came and sung. And this person into the mic said, "Oh, I won't say much between songs because I'm no good." At that, like I'm only good when I, I've only got something to say when I sing. And as I've been practicing the being in two places at once thing, I'm finding that it's interrupting my thoughts lots. And so as I heard it, it was like an alarm went off in my head, and I was like, no, 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 no. That man has a story to tell. And yes, he can tell it through singing, but he, has, he is worth listening to. And so I went and I found him at the end and I did that thing where I was like, so you don't know me, but here's the thing. I heard you say that you're not good on the microphone when you're not singing and it's not true. And it's not true because you have got a story to tell. And I heard that song you wrote and it was beautiful and it was vulnerable and you are worth listening to. And he stood really still and he said, wow, thanks. And I couldn't tell whether that was like a, wow, thanks, or a, if I say that, she may stop talking. Either way, <laughs> either way, it was an opportunity for me to be in two places at once. And it's coming easier to me because I'm practicing more. I'm practicing the presence more so that I didn't, I wasn't in the category of going to a music gig. I was in the category of loving music and being able to be with Jesus at the same time. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a great life to me. If we can actually really start to do this two places at once thing. And that's what we're going to spend these next few weeks talking about, is what are the tools we can put in our hands that can help us with this. So let's stand and we're going to pray. So just as we stand, I'd encourage you just to close your eyes where you're stood. And I'm going to ask you to think or ask God to give you a clue, or you can think it, of one habit Ideally, something that takes less than five minutes a day. One thing that you could do that would mean you would be leaning into being with Jesus. Just take a minute now just to think of one thing, one habit that you could put in that takes less than five minutes a day. Father, I thank you for every single one of those ideas that has been thought around this room. And we ask for you to partner with us in helping us to be with you. I thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit that we never need to face one minute of one hour of one day alone because you sent the Holy Spirit as an advocate for us. Help us to connect in a new and exciting way with you and help it shape and change us. And the other thing I just... I'm aware of time, but just very quickly, if you are here this morning and you have tried to do this in your own strength before, in your own effort, you can almost track in your diary all the times you've been like, right, this is going to be the year I'm going to learn how to do this. And it hasn't gone well. I particularly feel for you that God needs to tell you right here, right now in this moment, there is no shame. He is a no shame father. It is not even in his vocabulary. And where you, there's a particular couple of people here. I feel like there's a couple of men here in particular. who feel like they have tried to do this connecting with God thing and it just hasn't worked. And I feel like God is saying to you this morning, I see you. I love how you try, but would you come and do it with me? Let's do it together. It's a father-son moment, I think, for a couple of people here. Thank you, God, that you are so on our side. You're so for us. And where we struggle with envy and selfishness, with addiction, with unhealthy desires, I thank you that you have all that we need in your presence. Help us to learn how to rest in it, wherever we are, whatever we're doing.